You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now a word from our sponsor, Netscope. Netscope is a worldwide leader in SASE and Zero Trust. Its unified platform, Netscope One, provides optimized access and zero trust security for people, devices, and data anywhere they go, helping customers reduce risk, accelerate performance, and get unrivaled visibility into any cloud, web, and private application activity. To learn more about how Netscope helps customers be ready for anything on their sassy journey, visit netskope.com. Social networking for genocide in Myanmar. Facebook takes down the army's inauthentic and inflammatory pages. The supply chain seeding attack from China remains dubious. Probes of U.S. election infrastructure and black market offers of voter databases have been reported. GCHQ sees cybercrime as a chronic threat, but state-sponsored cyber operations as an acute problem. The EU prepares sanctions against a big country to the east. And farewell to Paul Allen, departed this life yesterday at the age of 65. From the CyberWire studios at Datatribe, I'm Dave Bittner with your CyberWire summary for Tuesday, October 16, 2018. The New York Times is reporting in horrific detail on how Myanmar's military used social media, mostly Facebook, to incite genocidal violence against minority Rohingya Muslims. The operators, believed to number around 700, resorted to the usual tools of information warfare in social networks, inauthentic identities and inflammatory posts of bogus news stories. The goal has been to inflame the Buddhist majority against the Rohingya Muslim minority and to excite mutual suspicion between the groups, all designed to lead toward the destruction of the Rohingya. Yesterday, Facebook took down 13 pages and 10 accounts for engaging in coordinated inauthentic behavior on Facebook in Myanmar. The pages and accounts seemed, the social network said, to be independent voices interested in entertainment, beauty, and general information, but they were in fact run by Myanmar's military. According to Facebook, about 1.35 million unique people followed at least one of these 13 pages. Facebook came under criticism early this year for the use Myanmar's army made of its platform. It banned senior army officers back in August, but it didn't match the inauthentic accounts until this month. Part of the problem is Facebook's pervasive presence in Myanmar, where, the New York Times says, its dominance is such that it's commonly confused with and identified with the Internet as a whole. This has led tragic credibility to the bogus stories of massacre and outrage the army has concocted to foment Buddhist outrage against their Muslim countrymen. The misuse of Facebook is raising more calls for content moderation. It may also lead to more complex considerations of what any platform's near-total hold on a significant section of the Internet means for information control and manipulation. You may be familiar with the Center for Infrastructure Assurance and Security, that's CIAS, for their leadership in cybersecurity competitions. Since 2005, the CIAS has been developing and conducting competition programs to help educate, train, and prepare individuals for the information assurance workforce. They've also developed the Cyber Threat Defender card game, 
which teaches middle and high school children the fundamentals on how to secure a network. They've distributed over 12,000 decks across the world in four countries, and they're currently operating in over 300 U.S. classrooms. Larry Shaleen is director of game development at CIAS. We needed a way to engage students at the uh, youngest levels uh, possible, you know, to, to help try to build this, this national culture of cybersecurity. Everybody has a laptop, everybody's got a phone. You know, so everybody needs to start understanding their role in security uh, when dealing with these types of uh, uh, tools. And so our uh, director here, Dr. Greg White, uh, who is a big fan of the card collectible card game Magic the Gathering, mm. thought that we could somehow teach cybersecurity through a, a card game. Uh, and so that's how we embarked on this this program. I am curious, uh, you know, I think when we think about cybersecurity, certainly we think about uh, electronic uh, connected devices. So it's an interesting choice to make this uh, a completely analog pursuit. Yeah, it's, it's really a low-tech way to teach a high-tech subject. And one of the things that we are learning uh, through the feedback that we're getting from the teachers uh, that are using it, plus the students, is uh, that they're able to really kind of see a network now in front of them as they lay their cards out, uh, their, their assets and their defenses and the attacks that can uh, threaten them. They see this now, uh, where a lot of uh, students have said, uh, you know, I can hear the teacher lecture all day long, but it didn't really make any sense until I could see the cards laid out in front of me. So if I'm a, a school who wants to take part in this, how, how can I reach out to, uh, to get on board? Sure, they can uh, contact us through uh, our website, which is uh, cyberthreatdefender.com. Schools and teachers can contact us. And we'll put them on our mailing list, and we will send them a uh, class set, which is 25 starter decks and 25 booster packs, fully free. And the way we are able to do this is through sponsorships from individuals and, and organizations. There's also a, a, a digital version of the game uh, that can be uh, downloaded for free. Uh, and it's a nice way to uh, complement the card game in the classroom. Plus, also students can you know, download this at home and continue to play the game, continue to learn from it. We have some uh, new boosters that are coming out. Uh, really, uh, one of them is per, uh, focused on personnel, so it's going to teach to the students you know, the various types of job positions out there, uh, career field, uh, which will really help get kids interested at an earlier age in, in helping to build up the workforce. That's Larry Shaleen. He's Director of Game Development at the Center for Infrastructure Assurance and Security at the University of Texas at San Antonio. There's no further evidence for or against the Bloomberg report on Chinese supply chain seeding attacks. Absence of evidence is, of course, not evidence of absence, but the story still seems thin. The lack of corroboration has begun to prompt theories that the whole account was a plant by elements within the U.S. intelligence community, hoping to make Sino-American relations even worse than they otherwise be. But as China-watching media outlet SupChina points out, whether Bloomberg has found a smoking gun or is just chasing ghosts, the damage to already frayed relations has been done. In the U.S., the Department of Homeland Security notices an increase in election-related incidents. Quote, Numerous actors are regularly targeting election infrastructure, likely for different purposes, including to cause disruptive effects, steal sensitive data, and undermine confidence in the election. End quote. That's from a department document obtained by NBC News. 
Nonetheless, DHS thinks midterm voting will go off relatively unproblematically. They're working to identify the threat actors and say that the behavior they're seeing, malicious emails and denial-of-service attacks mostly, are equally available to state and non-state actors. Here's some of the activity the security industry is saying it sees. Security firm Anomaly reports a surge in black market trafficking of voter records. Working with cybercrime intelligence shop Intel 471, their researchers found offers on the dark web of some 35 million voter records for sale. They're being priced by state at costs ranging from $150 to $12,000. The data is said to include some personally identifiable information of the sort collected in voter databases, name, address, party affiliation, and registration history. The states believed to be affected with a high degree of confidence are Georgia, Idaho, Iowa, Kansas, Kentucky, Louisiana, Minnesota, Mississippi, Montana, New Mexico, Oregon, South Carolina, South Dakota, Tennessee, Texas, Utah, West Virginia, Wisconsin, and Wyoming. The other states may be affected as well. A few things are worth noting. First, this is a report of a hacking forum offering, not a report of a set of exposed databases. Although Anomaly does say that some researchers have sampled the offerings and that they look genuine. Second, while the data may well be illegally offered for sale, it may not have been illegally obtained. Most states' voter records of this kind are matters of public record, sometimes with the voters being able to opt out of the records being made public, and with sales by the states restricted to certain categories of buyers. And third, interestingly, a buyer vaguely described only as high-profile has been running crowdfunding campaigns to purchase the data on a state-by-state basis. Anomaly doesn't attribute the buying or selling to any particular actor, but they do present it as an example of criminal activity, and the characteristics of the data are more suggestive of gangland than of state espionage services. But the case is ambiguous, and the story is still developing. In the UK, GCHQ's National Cybersecurity Center has warned, as it releases its annual report, that state-sponsored hacking is a bigger problem than ordinary cybercrime, and that life-threatening cyber attacks can be expected at some point in the future. The acute threat, as the report issued earlier today puts it, comes from state actors. The chronic threat comes from criminals. NCSC Director Martin said, quote, I remain in little doubt we will be tested to the full as a center and as a nation by a major incident at some point in the years ahead, end quote. Since the NCSC achieved full operational capability two years ago, It's defended the realm against, on the average, somewhat more than 10 attacks a week. The report also includes a shout-out to the Five Eyes. Quote, The alliance, now nearly eight decades old, remains at the heart of our international partnerships. Quote. Lithuania, joining the Anglo-Dutch push to the EU to adopt clear cyber sanctions, reassures Italy that this isn't necessarily an anti-Russian gesture. Sputnik is under no such illusions. The West is after Russia, and that's where the EU will deploy any sanctions. It does indeed seem likely that the EU will sanction Russia for the GRU's Novichok nerve agent attack in Salisbury, England, and for the attempted hack of the Netherlands-based International Organization for the Prevention of Chemical Warfare. Russian officials, of course, deny that anything of this kind took place. Furthermore, TASS is authorized to disclose that anti-Russian slander is a Western plot to undermine Russia's good-faith efforts toward international norms of conduct in cyberspace. 
it's unlikely that this story will find many takers. And finally, the tech world, indeed the world as a whole, bids farewell to Paul Allen, the co-founder of Microsoft. He succumbed yesterday at the age of 65 to the cancer he'd battled for some time. Our condolences to his family, friends, and colleagues. May he rest in peace. Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. It makes all your identity tooling stronger and allows you to connect any app to any service you want to use with zero coding, zero maintenance, and zero app downtime. Strata's identity orchestration platform separates the identity logic from your applications so you can optimize existing IAM tools and manage them in a single control plane. Now, every vendor, standard, and architecture work together. In short, building your identity fabric means you can secure your non-standard apps, keep your complex access policies, retire outdated IDPs, and modernize in record time. So build your fabric with Strata Identity and get rid of tech debt for good. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity priorities, and receive a pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. And I'm pleased to be joined once again by Mike Benjamin. He's the Senior Director of Threat Research at CenturyLink. Mike, welcome back. Um, uh, you wanted to touch today with some updates on Satori. Uh, bring us up to date. What's the latest? Well, as many people have read, the Satori malware, it's a, it's a Mirai-based malware family that targets largely IoT devices, although one of the updates that we should talk about today is that it's moving a bit beyond IoT devices. And so the history of Satori is that the actor behind it took the Mirai malware, which was, uh, we can call it open sourced, unfortunately, by the individual who authored it. Hmm. And this actor made quite a few modifications to it to attempt to obfuscate it, to attempt to um, make it spread more quickly. And the note that the author should, I hate to say receive credit, but be known for in terms of this <laughs> variant is that he's been very quick to add exploits to the malware and then make use of them in a rather quick manner. And so what are you seeing in terms of updates and current exploits? So the one that we've been watching most recently is attacking the Android debug bridge, a service that's enabled in certain Android devices that can allow access to the device remotely. Unfortunately, the actor has found that a number of devices are on the open internet running this service and has been using it to spread the malware. And so the, the actor deploys... Uh, typically two different variants of the malware, one focused on DDoS attack and one focused on crypto mining. 
And so we've seen both variants attacking the Android devices. In addition to the more traditional appliances like DVRs, webcams, and other items that Mirai more uh, traditionally targeted. Mm. And so what's the best way to protect yourself against this? Well, it's patch realistically, right? Have an understanding of what technology is out there, patch it, and set it up by best common practices. Uh, with one exception, the Satori malware has always used well-known exploits. And while the actor has gotten faster at being able to utilize the exploits to spread their botnet, uh, it, as an example, we actually saw one of the instantiations of this late last year grow to as large as 500,000 devices. And so mm -hmm. the actor has been successful with, with adding new exploits, but those were not new items. The, the one exception is he did manage to get his hands on a uh, unknown exploit, a, a zero day within some... Uh, customer premises gear produced by Huawei, uh, and he used that to build one of his botnets late last year. Hmm. All right. Mike Benjamin, thanks for joining us. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com slash cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. And that's the Cyberwire. For links to all of today's stories, check out our daily briefing at thecyberwire.com. And for professionals and cybersecurity leaders who want to stay abreast of this rapidly evolving field, sign up for Cyberwire Pro. It'll save you time and keep you informed. Listen for us on your Alexa smart speaker, too. The Cyberwire podcast is proudly produced in Maryland out of the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co-building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. Our amazing Cyberwire team is Elliot Peltzman, Peru Prakash, Stefan Vaziri, Kelsey Bond, Tim Nodar, Joe Kerrigan, Carol Terrio, Ben Yellen, Nick Vilecki, Gina Johnson, Bennett Moe, Chris Russell, John Petrick, Jennifer Iben, Rick Howard, Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Hey all, Rick here. At N2K CyberWire, we're dedicated to continuously improving the quality of the news and commentary on our network. That's why we're inviting you to participate in our 2024 audience survey. It only takes a few minutes and your feedback is invaluable. Plus, you'll have the chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card as a thank you for your time. Head on over to cyberwire.com survey. That's cyberwire.com survey to share your feedback now. And now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. 
Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI.